Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 172 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Brittany, Madison's mom. Now, Brittany was introduced to me by Dixie, Parker's mom, who was on just a couple of months ago. I assumed that Brittany and Dixie were good friends and both lived in South Carolina, but no, they're not. The fa- in fact, the two of them have never even met because Brittany lives in Texas. But it goes to show how close we can become to people, even when you're halfway across the country or halfway around the world. We as bereaved parents just come together. We can bond and appreciate each other so much. So thank you, Dixie, for introducing me to Brittany. And thank you, Brittany. I loved hearing about Madison today. I loved hearing about your journey even though it's still so, so fresh. But again, if you know someone who you feel like would be a great guest on the Always Andy's Mom podcast, reach out to them. Have them reach out to me or reach out to the both of us at the same time. It is so valuable to be able to share our stories with each other and learn from each other and just help feel more normal and not so alone when we are deep in our grief. So right now, I just want you to enjoy listening to Brittany, Madison's mom. Welcome, Brittany, to the Always Andy's Mom podcast. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you. So why don't you start out by just telling us all about your daughter, Madison, Madison, she was 12. Uh, She was full of energy. Uh, She was a straight-A student. Uh, She loved to swim. She loved to visit my moms back in Mississippi and be around my nieces and nephews. She was a girly girly. Yeah. From the age of four all the way up until 12, she always said she wanted to be a traveling nurse. And then she said that she wanted to graduate from the University of Yale and be a surgeon that deals with the brain and the spine. Oh, my goodness. A young neurosurgeon then. Mm-hmm. Saying it since the age of four. She wrote it. She was a journal. She, uh, she loves to write. Wonderful. Wonderful. And she's your only child, right? Yes, she's my only child. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned just before we started recording that she was your only child, but she wasn't your first pregnancy, was she? Because you had you had gone through pretty significant loss before Madison was even born. Yes. Yeah. So do you want to talk about that just a minute? I do. A little bit. Yeah, I would like to hear about that. Well, my first pregnancy, I was pregnant with a boy. Mm-hmm. And I was 32 weeks pregnant. 
and I ended up going into the hospital because I didn't, I was sick and I didn't feel movement. And when I ended up going into the emergency room, they took me into the room, they did the ultrasound and they basically told me where the heart was beating. It wasn't beating. They prepped me, they took me on the sixth floor, they dilated and I had my son, Dalen. February the 2nd, 2009. Mm -hmm. He was already deceased when I had him. This was before, I mean, this was your first pregnancy and what a shock, you know, you go from being, I'm sure so excited and feeling like, man, you're in the home stretch, right? At 32 weeks. Yes. And then suddenly everything is just kind of ripped out from under you. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like I wanted to start with that because it does change, I think, how you are as a mother, when you have other children after you've lost one like that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't have had that same level of comfort throughout the pregnancy with Madison, right? You still were thinking, oh my word, something could happen. Oh my word, what could happen? Oh, you know. Mm -hmm. Will I make it to 32 weeks? Or if I make it to 32 weeks, will I lose her? When I bring her home, because I didn't get to bring my son home, like, mm-hmm. it was so many emotions. I was high risk when I got pregnant again with Madison, which was 10 months later. So she was like my rainbow baby. Yeah, I got pregnant again. I was 10 months. I did research and I found my own private doctor. Uh-huh. Once I sat down and told him the story and he pulled my charts he did tell me that he was ensured that I was going to, I was going to birth the baby. Like I was going to bring her home. And if he had to deliver her early, he would have delivered her early, but he was going to make sure that I didn't have to go through what I went through with the first one. How reassuring that must've been to have someone that you trust. Yes. Mm -hmm. But talk about that, about having a little baby after you've had such a tragic loss like that, because I, I imagine, actually, I, I know this just from experience from being in pediatrics. When you've lost one like that, man, it's just, they're just so precious. But there's a level of anxiety that maybe you might not have had. Right. Yeah. When I first found that I was pregnant, I didn't have the, the emotion as first time mom had when they found out they're pregnant, they're excited. They're telling their family members, they, they telling everybody. I, my emotion was all over the place. Like I was excited, but I, like, I was too afraid to be excited because I was excited about my first one that got ripped out of me that I wasn't able to bring them home. The emotions was just all over the place. So once I found the doctor and he was reassuring me and, I was going to the doctor once a week. So like when I was hearing the heartbeat and he was giving me extra sonograms just to ensure that, you know, everything was going to be okay. But it was still in the back of my mind that I lost my first one at 32 weeks. Okay. I'm 32 weeks. Like, is I'm going to make it past 32 weeks or just a lot of questions that you have running through your head. Like I was high risk. I was going into early preterm labor with Madison. Oh, did you? I had to have steroid shots just in case if she was to come early because I kept dilating. 
And so they was giving me steroid shots just in case if she was to come early, her heart and her lungs and stuff like that would be developed. So yeah, they do that to help those lungs develop. It's amazing because they can get the lungs much, much better by doing that. Mm-hmm. But oh, how scary that would have been. It was very scary, even to the day of December the 16th, 2009, when I, when I pushed her out. I went into the hospital December the 15th because I was having pain. Mm-hmm. Every pain that I had throughout that pregnancy, I didn't risk it. If it was just a small, I, I went to the doctor. Yeah. Even if I had to drive 45 minutes and they tell me, you know, you're good and we're going to see you back home, I wasn't risking it. I went in on the 15th because I was hurting and having pain and he hooked me up. They monitored me all night. The next morning, December the 16th, he was getting ready to discharge me to send me home and her heart rate dropped. And when they came in, they didn't say anything. They were just all suited. And they was like, you know, they was pushing on my stomach. They was telling me to roll over, like to get in like a knee position. And they got these tubes and masks over my face, you know, trying to see like what's going on. But they're not telling me anything. And yeah, I ended up delivering Madison December the 16th. So how many weeks were you then? I was 37. 37 weeks. Okay. Okay. 37 weeks because he was going to take her January the 2nd, but I ended up having her December the 16th. Mm -hmm. When she came out, I didn't get that chest to chest. They took her straight to the NICU to run tests because the umbilical cord was wrapped. But at the time, they didn't know what it was wrapped around, but it was end up being wrapped around her legs. Okay. So when she came out, she had complications with her legs. Yeah, because when the umbilical cord is twisted, you always think about it being twisted around the neck because it's oftentimes twisted around the neck. But really, what the biggest worry is, is when it twists around really anything, it can do a couple things. First of all, it can cut off the blood supply to what it what's there. But the second thing, when it pinches like that, now it's not working as well. So... The, all of those, all the umbilical cord has two arteries and a vein, so those vessels can get compressed and just not be working as well, and that can obviously lead to the heart rate decelerations that you had and her heart rate dropping and makes it so much more emergent to have something. But, oh, how scary for you mm-hmm. after having lost your son in such a way to think, oh, my word, it's happening again, right? Right. I mean – how blessed that you were there at that moment for them to see that and you hadn't been discharged an hour earlier or something for them not to see it. Right. Mm, So scary. So now you're Madison's born and she's growing up and Mm -hmm. she's got, sounds like a great little personality. Yes. Right. All girl. Did she love school? And she loved school. She was a grade A student. The teachers loved her. Uh-huh. Every day I pick her up. They uh they compliment her. They talk about how well mannered and so well behaved she was. I always dressed her in her little uniforms with the bows. So this one particular day I was rushing and I didn't put a bow in her hair. And her teacher knows that she comes to school every day with a bow. <laughs> so she sends me an email and she was like, I don't want to send her home. I'm not for sure. Did she come with the bow or she did? Because I don't see a bow on her head. And I don't want to send her home and she don't have her bow. And I was like, we was running late this morning. Got up late. We overslept. So I didn't put a bow on her head. But they know every morning she comes to school, she has a hair bow on her hair. 
what a sweet story. Oh, how, how long did she wear the bows? So she was almost 12. Almost 12? And I would still stick them in her head. Wow. And she was like, no, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I knew when she made it to 12, like, probably she wasn't wearing the bows anymore, but who knows? She was a girly girl, right. too. But sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so sweet. So <laughs> sweet. So do you want to go in now and talk a little bit about what happened to Madison? It was very unexpected. July the 29th, we went to go and get our COVID shot. Mm-hmm. We had a trip planned, a cruise planned. So we went to go and get uh, vaccinated. We had already took the first dose, so we was going to get the second dose of the Pfizer. Mm-hmm. And we went that Friday. And this is just this last summer? Just mm-hmm. this summer, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this year. So that Friday just a regular day we go and we get our second Pfizer nothing we come home do our regular routine whether she's in her room on the phone or on her laptop and I'm in the kitchen cooking or you know relaxing around the house nothing uh Saturday we get up because school starts back in August so we get up Saturday she's fine we out shopping we at the mall, we go out to eat to our favorite restaurant, nothing, like, everything's good, we we come home, we eat, we're relaxing, as what we normally do, Uh that Sunday, we get up to go to church, I cook dinner, same thing, do our normal routine, we get through, doing what we do outside, we come back home, we relax, and, you know, she's in her room, on the phone, or on the laptop, Monday, it's a regular day. I go to work. I go pick her up. We come home. We eating leftovers because I cook dinner Sunday. So we eating leftovers. Uh, we decided to sit in the living room and watch movies. So she decided to put on a scary movie because we watch scary movies sometimes. Okay. We watch two movies. Uh, I end up dozing off on the couch and uh. I guess at that time she had went and got back in, you know, went get in bed that night. Around about 4.30 in the morning, I hear the light switch pops on in the restroom. And I hear her like she's throwing up. And so I I hop up when I hear the switch. And I called her from the restroom like, Madison, you know, asking her if she's okay. And she's like, she okay. I get off the couch. I go in the bathroom. I look because I did hear she was, you know, she was Mm -hmm. vomiting. Mm -hmm. So I come back out to go in the kitchen to get like the cleaning stuff, so, you know, just in case I have to wipe anything down or clean anything up. And when I leave out the kitchen to go back to the restroom, now I know that she like slumped over the toilet. Okay. And she's not like looking like herself. Like, and then next thing you know, she lays down on the floor and I'm like, Madison, you know, I'm just panicking I'm screaming I'm calling her name I'm like Madison she's not saying anything but like she's looking at me like she's shaking her head when I call her name when I'm asking her like you know but she's not like looking like herself right right I runs out I call 911 and I'm telling them like you know something wrong with my baby I'm like she's laying out they kind of give me instruction over the phone at this point like she's having a seizure Oh my. So they tell me to make sure that there's nothing in her mouth, 
to pop her head on uh, on something and to, uh, you know, hold her neck back. Mm-hmm. So as I'm calling her name, you know, trying to see, like, if she's, you know, responding, she's not saying anything, but she's looking as if, like, she can hear me talking to her. So I'm screaming on the phone. I'm giving them the address, asking them, like, where are they? How far are they? And she was like, they outside. You should see them. You should see the lights. They're coming. You know, stay on the phone. They comes in. They're checking her vitals and all of this. And we head to the hospital. Right. When we make it to the hospital, I get directed into a waiting room. I can't tell you the time, the minutes, or the seconds because at that moment I'm just I'm panicking. Um, um, I don't know. Like I'm not even like I can't. I'm not even thinking. Yeah. And um, he the doctor comes in and he's saying something, but the only thing that I hear is something about her heart. And at that point, I lose it. At that point, I'm 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 losing it. Like I'm freaking out. And he's saying something else and he, he leaves out. And I can't tell you how long I waited, but he comes back in. And he's telling me that they're doing everything that they can do. And, you know, her heart's supposed to be like doing something, but it's like, it's not. And they're, they're doing this. Like at this moment, I'm just all out of it. And he tells me that um, to walk, he's going to walk me into the room where she's at. And he want me to just, you know, stand there and just, you know, basically just hold her hands and talk to her. And when I walk in, it's like 15 to 16 people. Like they're all suited and masks and suits and they all like standing around her. She got tubes in her nose and she's laying on the bed. Her eyes is closed and they're like pumping on her chest. And at this point, I just. At this point, I just lost it. I just hit the floor. like. And then he looks, and they all go silent. And at that moment, he was like, they did everything that they can do. I just, I feel with you. There's nothing like watching them do CPR on your baby. And, I mean, it's the most horrible thing. I just... Mm -hmm. I've done it. I've seen it. I've been there too. And and they whisked me away because I was going hysterical too. I was just, all I was doing is yelling, please God, please God, please God, over and over and over, just going crazy. But like, what do you do? I mean, what do you do? Uh, at that moment, I just prayed for God to give me strength because I knew that at that moment I was going to need it. Yeah. And I sat there. They let me have time with her. I sat there and she was just laying on the table. I watched when the more people came in and, and put her in a bag. Oh. How much time did you get with her? Did they give you quite a bit of time with her or not? I had probably like, they gave me a long time, like some hours. That's good. They gave me hours. My family. They was driving from, they was driving six and a half hours. My mom, they, they don't live here in Texas. They, they drove my best friend. She flew in that same day. She just got to work at four that morning. She was taking the first flight out. So they all got a chance to get to, um, to see her. Oh, so horrible. 
I'm so sorry. Yeah. So they got there, and then kind of what what were those first days like? And I'm sure they had to do an autopsy and try to figure out exactly what happened. Did they do all that too? They did. They called me. They called me that Wednesday or that Thursday. They told me that she was tested positive for COVID. So the thing is, I don't know if she had COVID before the shot or if she had COVID after the shot. Yeah. Because she was no signs of COVID, which I know that people that have it are not, some of them are non symptomatic where they don't have the signs of it. Yeah. That is hard to know because you aren't protected right after you get the shot for, for a while you're not. So, and whether having both at the same time, you know, Somehow made yeah. it worse, you'd think, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So she was tested positive. They called to let me know that whoever was encountered or had been around her, that they was uh, needed to go get tested in a quarantine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did other people around her have it then or no? No. You didn't test positive or anything? No. No. Oh, so hard. So your family all arrived to be with you then? Mm-hmm. And were you able to have like a little memorial service and stuff for her then? Yes, I ended up uh, going back home that next week. So they did the autopsy. And once they released her, yeah. the funeral home from where I'm from, because we're from Mississippi, mm-hmm. they came and got her and I did everything back at home. Oh, back home in Mississippi. So you brought her back there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that's where my first, my family, my first babies, he's buried in Mississippi too. Are they buried near each other then? Beside each other. (laughs) That is not what you should have had to do. Yeah. That is not what you should have to do. Well, why don't you talk now about this grief journey and what it's been like since August? It's not very long. (laughs) Not very long at all. It's not. Back in August, when it happened, I didn't move out the bed. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. My hair fell out. At this point, I didn't want to live. Yeah. I had so many questions for God. Like, he know everything that I'd have been through in life. And with the losing of my first baby and me getting pregnant again and how I went through things in life and I heal and I pray and I seek you and I surrender. And then you bring me back to this. Yeah. Just doesn't feel fair. Does it? I felt cheated. I felt cheated. Yeah. I felt mad. I felt angry. Felt a lot of, a lot of emotion. My faith wavered because I was just in a bad place. Like, to know what, what I'd have been through, and then I have to go through it again. Mm-hmm. It was some days that I didn't pray because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. My heart was so, my heart was so heavy. It didn't that I didn't, I didn't want to pray. It's just that I couldn't pray because of the thoughts that I had that was running through my, through my mind and all of the anger and the hurt and the pain. Yeah. And it was some days that I would just lay in the bed and was just like, just take me because my heart couldn't take the pain. Yeah. 
some days I couldn't pray. I just play my gospel. Sometimes I would just call on his name. Some days I was just telling him to just hear my heart because I couldn't go into depth of what it was that I was really feeling. One night I, I ended up talking to him and I was like, just, you know, just give me a sign. Like, let me know she's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, I still had my questions on why. But just let me know she's okay. I go in her room. And I'm going through her stuff because she writes, she journals a lot. And uh, I thought that I went through the notebook, but I guess I I missed some pages in the notebook. Mm -hmm. And I felt like God showed up at that time for me because he knew that I literally laid there and was, and, and wanted to just die. Like I didn't, I didn't see like any living after it. And I come across a letter that she wrote and I have it in a frame so that when I do go through my moments and my days where I'm like, I want to live. And then some days when the grief just, just hit me, I go back into that. Like, I don't want to be here. Can you read that for us? Yes. It's like, the reason you should love yourself is because God didn't put you on this earth without a purpose. And to find that purpose, you got to get up. You got to get out of the house and on your feet. God didn't bless you to stay in the bed and worry about your fears. So get up, get up, treat yourself, go out, be free. Because I promise you today may be your weakness, but tomorrow is going to be your power. Wow. That just blows me away. What a gift. What a gift. I mean, don't you feel like God just gave her those words at that moment so that you would have them when you needed them? I mean, absolutely, right? Like, that just feels like that was just God putting those words there for you to grasp onto. I literally laid in. I literally wanted to die. When I talked to God, it was just to take me. And I kept telling him that. I wish that when he took her, he would have took me too. Yeah. Because I couldn't bear the pain, like the pain that my heart feels and ache. Like I can't explain it. And then I kept seeing why I see why how people die of a broken heart. Yeah. But that's how my heart, my, that's how my heart feels. And I felt at that moment that I needed that because I literally laid there. I laid there. I wouldn't eat. I couldn't eat. And when I did try to eat, it wouldn't stay on my stomach. Like it would come up. And I found this letter and I was in her room when I found it. And I just fell to the floor because I'm like, she's talking to me. Yeah. And I'm like, he knew that at this moment, like I needed these words like in her handwriting i mean that's the thing right i mean those are her words in her hand her Her words and god's words really i mean i i do feel like god put them there what i mean that's a beautiful thing for a 12 year old girl to have written right wow wow and she wrote it last year november the 5th 2021 so nine months before. Oh, my word. What a gift. And you probably had never read it before. 
I never seen it. No. And um, when everybody left and went home, after everything happened, everybody left and went back home. So I went in her room, you know, just to sit in there, to sit on the bed and, you know, just trying to process, like, how my baby was just laying in her room on her laptop and now, like, she's not going to be here anymore. And I sat in there and I was just, just trying to process, like, trying to make sense of it. Um, And I just went through the notebook, like, three days before this, and I did not see this. Yeah. And it was in the back of the, um, in the back of the book. Yeah. I mean, I think you were supposed to see it at just the right moment. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's the moment when you need it at the moment when you said, just give me a sign, give me something. Cause that's right. sometimes what we feel like we need. We just need something because it just feels so overwhelming, you know, it is. And I appreciate yes. what you said about prayer too, because I'm, I'm with you. There are, it's can be hard to pray and it's mm-hmm. been hard for me to pray. It's, it's easier now, but it's been a difficult thing for me to do often because what would end up going through my head was you prayed harder than you ever prayed and nothing happened. Right. Didn't matter. And those are the thoughts that I think, you know, Satan almost kind of puts in my head, like doesn't matter anyway. Mm -hmm. Don't even bother. You know, those are the things that come in that you have to try to chase away Mm -hmm. those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm, learning because the devil have been playing on my mind to make me to make my faith unwaver because I have been through the worst of the worst and I still will believe and have faith and have hope and when I went through this it was just it was a lot yeah and I'm like it's so hard it's so easy to to sit and to what happening that sometimes we forget the blessing. Yeah. And I had to go back because 13 years ago I didn't get to bring my son home. Yeah. I don't I don't know what his voice would have sounded like. I don't know who he would have looked like me or his dad. I don't know if he would have been a mama's boy. I don't know if he would have liked his sports. I don't know. Yeah. And he blessed me 10 months later with Madison and I got to bring her home. I got the razor. She played soccer. Um, she was so much like me, but she was better than me. Um, and I keep trying to reflect on that to keep the hope because some days I don't like, some days I don't want to be here because I'm like, what's the use? Yeah. Like how much more do I have to go through? Like, I felt that too. And I have some of my children still alive for sure. But you know, it, it is hard. I guess I, I think a little bit like you, I'll, you know, when, when I was younger, I, both my parents got cancer. My mom died when I was in college. And then uh, Eric and I, we our first one, we lost at a miscarriage at 13 weeks. So certainly not as far along as you, but, but still, once I started having my kids and I got like three kids, I kind of got it in my head 
that like all the bad stuff was sort of just done happening. Yeah. Like I had done the bad stuff earlier and I was just going to be good now. Like that somehow life worked that way. That you could, if you went through enough kind of tragedy and bad things earlier in life, that you mm-hmm. would somehow be rewarded. And now I could like ride off into the sunset and have this beautiful life later. And I feel like that's what I'm sort of gathering from you was a little bit like you had thought, yep, it was bad, but now I've got Madison and now things are good and now things are going to be okay. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Because it's like that's what's supposed to be. And now I'm finally having the life that like you're supposed to have. So it will be better. But it right. just doesn't always work that way. You don't. You know, I, I had a friend of mine, Demetra. She's a listener of the show. So I will do a little shout out to Demetra. But she sent me a message yesterday. And I've got to look this up because the first two lines were so beautiful. And then I was like. Not sure. So the first two lines were, things are tough at the moment, said the fox. And then the fox replies, let the waves carry you through the turbulent times, replied the moon. And then he goes on to say, calm seas always follow a storm. And I wrote back, I said, I love the first two lines, but wondering if that last part is true. Do calm seas always follow the storm? Doesn't feel like it. Because that's what you thought and that's what I thought, right? We had Mm -hmm. the storm. Now we were in Mm -hmm. for the calm seas. And the calm seas were going to take us out. And maybe we had some calm seas for a while, right? I mean, I had calm seas for a while. You had calm seas for 12 years. But it's not guaranteed that the calm seas last forever, I guess. And and that's sort of what it's like on that. Like, oh, it's just going to be calm now. But, man, those storms still come up. Right. And we talked a little bit about that when we were first, before we first started recording too, about those moments, about how the grief kind of just comes and just takes Mm -hmm. you. Talk about that a little bit. Grief just shows up. It don't knock. It's not invited. Don't call you to let you know that it's coming. It's just, it just comes. And sometimes it comes harder than then the day before, I'm learning that when it do come to to let it do what it do, to feel it, yeah. try to keep moving because it's a fight. It's a fight every day. Like things that used to be so easy for me to do, like just to smile or to even talk, like, or to get dressed and put on clothes or to just watch TV. I don't. It's hard. Yeah. You're right. Everything turns into a fight. And I love how you've said it that way, that getting dressed and doing those things is a part of the fight. Because I don't feel like everyone appreciates that. You know, especially people like friends and family who maybe love and care for us. Uh, Mm -hmm. that That they might think, oh, man, she's not doing well. Right? You get all those. How's she doing? She's not doing well. But like, mm-hmm. if I got up and I took a shower today, that's a big deal. Right. That's a really big deal. So mm-hmm. those little things might seem little from the outside, but every single thing 
is a fight for us. Right. It's a fight to do. And mm-hmm. if you now, you know, getting dressed and going to work or sitting down and watching a TV show or something like that, that's not easy. Mm-mm. It's not easy to get out of the bed. Right. And there's some days you don't want to, but if you do, it's a win. Right. I wish everyone would know that. And I'm learning that. Yeah. That if I decided to to sit up in the bed, if all week I laid in the bed and I decided to just sit up. Yeah. I did something. Yeah. And that's a win. Mm-hmm. And that's a win. And because. that's too... I mean, when you talk about your faith and your faith being shaken, that's a win from Satan in some ways too, right? Mm-hmm. When you get up and you do something and you do more than what you really thought you could do or what right. you thought you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to talk to you now about what being in contact with other bereaved parents has done for you. Because I, I mean, that's how we ended up being in contact through mutual friends who kind of found someone who found you on social media. I can mention her because she's, she's Dixie. She, she has been on the podcast not so long ago talking about her son. Anyway, talk about that, about what that's, how that's helped you. I'm in a grief group on on Facebook. I try to post and I try to post like my daily struggle even the small and so many women have reached out to me like I'm fighting a battle like just just to get up is a fight yeah and to know that I'm in a in a bad spot right now that is so many women that have been inboxing and reaching out to me your strength like one lady she inboxed me and told me she woke up and she was just having a bad morning like literally crying nonstop. but when she read my post it gave her so much hope and I sat here and I'm like I'm over here torn I'm crying all day I look a mess my hair is falling out I'm not eating I don't put on any clothes and how can I uplift and encourage someone else when my whole world has shattered and for me to hear other women's story, them losing their their babies, their kids, adult kids, it gives me strength because I know that I'm not in it alone. Yeah. I know that the feelings that I'm feeling isn't crazy. Because mm-hmm. um, you feel like it is, definitely at first. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Because you don't, you don't feel normal anymore. Nope. It's not that... I don't want to talk. It's not that I I don't want to be around people. It just life then sucked out of me, and it's like I have no no energy, no time, no time for it. Like I am a happy person. I am a a people person. I am an outgoing person. Me and Madison do a lot of things together, but it's like when life been taken from you, it's like it's how do I keep keep moving and keep going and my family my friends they've been very supportive but they don't know because they never lost a child 
And some of my friends don't even have kids and they want kids. So they don't understand. They're here to comfort me and to be supportive of me. But sometimes I don't want to talk about it because I don't want them to feel... I don't want them to feel a certain type of way. Like they can't explain or they don't really know what to say or they don't want to really say anything because they don't know if they might say something that might trigger you. They don't know if they might say something that might start, you know, having, you know, back in your emotions or, you know, back in your feelings. So it's like, when they come, it's like, we just, we just sit or, you know, they trying to make me, you know, smile or laugh. And it's like, when I talk to women that, have lost it they lost a child it's like when I'm explaining where I'm at they was like I know exactly like where where you're at like I was there like you know I lost my son 10 years ago I was at that place like I didn't want to live like I didn't want to be here like and it was like it's a struggle but they it will get it don't heal right you'll never forget but you will learn how to cope and learn how to live with it and that's something that I know from my first passing of my first child it's been 13 years and I never forgot about him like when his birthday comes around when holidays or when Madison in here playing with her toys on the laptop and I always have that what if I had to like what if they both was here like would they be close or would they be the siblings that's always fighting each other or would they be the siblings that, you know, have that that special bond? Like, I always wonder, I don't want to be in this place that I'm in, but it's, it's my life now. Yeah. I don't like waking up sad. I don't like waking up with my heart heavy. I don't like waking up and just laying here and, and not moving or just sitting here and in my thoughts. I, I don't. Yes, but you're right. When you hear somebody that says, I lost my son two years ago, and it doesn't always feel quite like this. Because I think that's what you can say. It's like, it, it doesn't always feel quite like this, right? Then you think, okay, if she can do it, so can I, right? It gives you just this little bit of hope for the future that it's not always going to feel like this. Um, and some days will be better than others and some days will still be hard. I, I was telling you before we started recording that yesterday was a horrific day for me. I woke up, I had, had some dreams about stuff. I just, I woke up, I was sad, I was crying. I was just missing Andy horribly. And I said to a friend, like, you know, some days I feel just as bad as the first day. Mm-hmm. But it's not every day, but it was yesterday. And, and again, you talking about people not knowing what to do. I walk in and my medical assistant's in there with another one. And they looked at me and they could tell I was not right and said, are you okay? Are you feeling okay? And I just broke down crying. And mm-hmm. they didn't know what to do. My MA did give me a hug, which was good. And the other one, they're both like, do you need somebody to see your first patient? Do you need, what do you, what do you need? What do you need? Like, no, just give me a minute, you know? Right. So I got it together. I went in, I saw my first patient and went fine. I come out and then I have to go and see, I'm supposed to go and help in the walk-in and see another patient. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I look, opened the chart. I looked at the chart and all of a sudden I was like, I can't do this. 
I can't mm-hmm. do this right now. I walk in, I set down my computer, I like, I just, at this. And then someone again turned to me, are you okay? And I said, no, I'm really not. I am really not okay. And I just started right. crying. And they said, mm-hmm. you know what? Just go take a minute. And I had a, another doctor there who goes to my church. And I think that helped a lot, right? Because I, I know him better. And and he said, okay, I think you need a hug. And I said, yeah. And he goes, I think you need to just go to your office for a little bit. And I said, I think I might throw up. And he goes, well, then maybe to go, just go in the bathroom, you know? And mm-hmm. But he was so nice. And it was so much better than the first set because the first were like panicky. Do we need right. somebody to see your patient? Whatever, like, what are they, they don't want to do? And the next one was like, I think you need a minute. Like, just don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Just take a minute. And I did. I went right. to the bathroom, and I'm, like, dry heaving, and I'm sobbing, literally sobbing on the bathroom floor. Um, mm-hmm. But after five or ten minutes, probably not more than five, honestly, I got back up, put some water on my face, went back, saw the next patient, and I made it through the day. So even though the waves come, I did, like you said, I sort of let it take me at the moment because I needed to. Right. And I know it made everyone feel uncomfortable, but, you know, so be it. Whatever. Just feel uncomfortable. But I needed Mm -hmm. to just let it just come over me at that moment and sob Mm -hmm. on the bathroom floor. Yeah. It's okay to just sob on the bathroom floor if you need to. Right. And I think even a few months ago, I would have felt like I would have judged myself a little more saying everyone's going to say, be like, it's been four years. What are you doing? Still crying on the bathroom floor. But now I get to the point like, you know what? I don't care. I don't care what you think. Right. Some days I'm just going to cry on the bathroom floor and I may Mm -hmm. still cry in the bathroom floor 20 years from now. Some days. Right. It is what it is. And just because they gone, our love don't leave from them. No. And if if they haven't lost a child, like I'd have been to many funerals. I'd have lost aunts, uncle, friends. But with this one, front row, and the one that I brought home and raised, it 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 did something to me. Yeah. It changes you. It changes you. And that's hard for the people, your family, but it's hard for you. Right. I mean, I remember thinking that when Andy died, part of me kind of did too. And I'm not the same mm-hmm. person as I used to be at all. Right. I'm it made not. me sad. Like, I kind of liked who I was. <laughs> me too. You know, you <laughs> talked about who you were too. Like, you like, you were a really happy, upbeat kind of person and did you know fun things with your daughter and all of that and man for a while you feel like boy is that part of me going to be just gone forever or not because you don't know i don't know and right now you don't i think there'll be glimpses that come back right i do but you just don't know you just mm-hmm. need to get to know who you are now. And other people need to kind of know that that's who you are now, too. Right. I love what you had said to me, too. Another thing before we started recording is you said a friend of yours had encouraged you to get on this Facebook group and had said, just get on and listen. Don't you don't have mm-hmm. to write anything. 
Just read what they wrote, the other women wrote. Talk about that and what that did to you, for you, and then when you transitioned to starting to write your own things. She's been on it, and she know I've been having a hard time. Uh, a lot of them know that this month is like a very, very hard month for me because Madison will be 13 Friday. Yeah. And Christmas is the week after. And so I know she she talked about it and she told me how it helped her, like, you know, just hearing other people's stories and, mm-hmm. you know, letting her know that she's not alone and being able to speak to someone that actually know where she's at and how she feels with losing a child. Because with the person that hadn't lost it, it could be so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. She's like, you don't have to say anything. She was like, you could just listen. And if you feel like you want to talk, you can talk. So when I got on, I hit my mute button and I listened. And I listened and they they talked and they talked about their story. They talked about them losing their kids. One even said that she had to quit her job and let her business go because it, it took so much out of her. And then another lady that spoke she lost her only son and uh i just heard their stories and it gave me hope and it gave me some type of encouragement that it's okay not to be okay yeah it's okay to feel how i'm feeling and that hopefully in the journey that i will see light again yeah i felt safe I felt comfortable. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like, oh, she's crying and, you know, she's uncomfortable because, you know, she's crying and, you know, they can't feel the pain or, and once I felt like it was a safe place, Mm -hmm. I unmuted it. Yeah. I unmuted the camera and I got on and I talked about Madison and one of the ladies that was on there her son passed with the same thing that my daughter passed from. Okay. And they encouraged me that they was here. If I ever wanted to talk, they welcomed me. They sent me their number. They sent me a text message that night. They sent me text message the next day. They added me in the group chat. Yeah. That's beautiful. So what is this group? Can can other people join this group or no? Yes. It's a uh, mom circle, so it's basically women from all over the state, different race, that lost a child. Okay. That they want to come and, you know, talk or, you know, just be encouraging, uplifting, or need some words of encouragement or just to let them know that they're not in this journey. They're not alone. So, yes. Well, that sounds like a beautiful thing. It sounds a little bit like what we do here on the podcast only the nice thing is it's it's a little more interactive that you can do it you know with other people and give them encouragement kind of right away which is is nice to get i think some feedback right away so mm-hmm. oh i just loved hearing about madison today any other words of encouragement you want to kind of give before we close up here just to take it one day at a time yeah and to give yourself grace That's something that I say all the time too. give yourself grace, give yourself grace. Yeah. 
because we give so many other people grace yep. that we sometimes forget to give ourselves. And I'm learning. You are 100% right. To give myself grace. Yep. You're right. You're, it's much easier to give other people grace and to be hard on yourself. But if you can give yeah. yourself grace, that's a gift. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast, Brittany, and talking about Madison. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful and would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's Mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.